and, uh, and being lights for you. I pray that you bless them in Sunday school this morning. Thank you so much for this young generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, children, you're all dismissed. Follow the leader. And you all come back afterwards. So we're going to be turning the service over to Lauren. He's got a very special message. Uh, I don't want to steal too much of his thunder, but apparently on Friday there was a bill that was passed in Parliament, Bill C-4, regarding um, uh, transgender and uh, what the do's and don'ts and uh, a foreboding or foreshadowing of what's yet to come. And it's going to may have a big impact on our churches and the way we conduct business and preach the gospel. So, uh, without further ado, Lauren, turn the service over to you. Thank you. Um, so, you may be aware of the uh, the recent bill that was actually passed in in uh, last year in December. Uh, this bill C four, which is intended and has a a great intent of of um, Stopping people from being forced, doing what's called conversion therapy, uh, where people are being forced to change their um, uh, their sexual orientation or their gender identity, and and all of that kind of stuff. I think the intent of the of the bill there was some some valid uh, usefulness there of trying to protect people who are vulnerable, um, who can be. Uh, forced and coerced. Unfortunately, and what has been pointed out by a number of, of uh, people and organizations, the, the definition that they use here in this, in this law, the, law the, the bill actually in, was enacted as of January 7th. So this week, it is now considered law, yeah. and, and it has uh, changed the criminal code um, in order to accomplish this. The definition that they're using within this law is quite vague about what conversion therapy actually is. And there is concern um, that, that although the intent of the law was, was good, the application of that law could, could uh, come against parents who are trying to guide their children through difficult changes that they're going through their life. It could impact uh, pastors counselors, churches, who are holding to a, a biblical view of human sexuality um, that, that uh, cherishes what the Bible has to say about humans being, uh, being created in the image of God, being made male and female, and the beauty of all of that. And so there are a number of um, churches and Christian leaders across the nation that have uh, put together a statement um, that uh, just kind of declares our concern. And so I wanted to read that for you here this morning, um, just so that uh, you could know my position as 
as a pastor, as well as uh, the church, the leadership team has had a look at this and has affirmed that this is going to be uh, the, the position of our church going forward. Uh, let me just read this for you. This past week marked a monumental change in Canadian law and society with the enactment of Federal Bill C-4, which amends the criminal code. The law's stated purpose is to outlaw conversion therapy. We strongly oppose the coercive and unscientific therapeutic practices that this bill was introduced to address. We appreciate and affirm the desire of parliamentarians to protect the vulnerable. However, we are deeply concerned that the effective reach of the legislation could be extended far beyond its stated purpose. Because its definition of conversion therapy is vague, many are concerned that it could capture parents, pastors, counselors who teach a biblical understanding of sexuality in a variety of situations. Now, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees our freedom of religion, conscience, thought, belief, expression, and association. It is our prayer that the law will be applied and clarified as needed in such a way as to honor these charter protections. We recognize that the greatest danger facing the Canadian church is not that we might face criminal prosecution, but rather that we might compromise in our teaching of the Word of God or fall silent on our proclamation of the gospel. So along with church leaders of like conviction across Canada, we stand before you today to pledge that we are committed to obeying God above all others. That with the Lord's help, we will continue to proclaim the whole counsel of God as presented in Scripture without fear, without favor. This includes God's life-giving design for human beings made in His image, male and female, with sexual intimacy reserved for the covenantal union of a man and a, wo a, man and a woman, husband and wife. We will continue to issue the call to repent of all kinds of sin and to believe the gospel knowing that we all have sin and that salvation through Jesus is the one true hope for the whole world. We will continue to love and to serve all people in our community without distinction in Jesus' name. As we press on in the work of ministry, we will trust our Heavenly Father to guard us and to keep us and to work out His greater purposes for our good and for His glory. We continue to pray for our government and plead to the Lord uh, plead with the Lord to have mercy on our needy land. That was a statement that was put out by the Canadian Reli Religious Freedom Summit. Um, they are going to be having a summit here on February 26th that will be streaming online that everybody will be able to access. Um, there is, uh, in our email newsletter, we'll make sure that there's a link there so that you can have that link. And, and if you want to, and I would encourage you uh, to plan to be a part of that uh, February 26th leadership uh, our religious freedom summit uh, for for Canada as there will be speakers that will be there too 
um, to guide us and direct us. Now I want to say, this, this church, our intent in all of this is to, to continue to be a congregation, a church where all people are welcome. Where all people are loved and accepted. We recognize that all of us struggle with different things in our lives. And, and, and all of us deal with sin and there isn't necessarily some hierarchy of what sin is worse and what isn't. And, and so we want this to be a place where if you are a person that is dealing with um, uh, uh, same-sex attractions, if you are a person that has family or friend that is going through uh, uh, questioning uh, their gender identity and the rest of that kind of stuff, we want this to be a place where you are loved and welcome. My grandpa always said that the church is a spiritual hospital. It is full of sick, injured people needing healing. We're all here like that. And it's, it's not the, the, the expectation that people will get themselves healed before they come and join in this spiritual hospital. That the doors are open for all of us no matter where we are at in our journey and our walk with Christ. But we want to be clear that we will continue to hold fast to the authority of Scripture to, to proclaim the counsel of God as it is presented here in these words that is our understanding of God's ideal for human sexuality, um, for, for the, the definition of what marriage is. And, and we will be uh, calling people to repentance on all aspects of life, of, of ways that it contravenes and goes against what God has revealed here. I, I do have a, a copy of the statement that I read here, and you're welcome to come have a look at it. I also have a copy of a summary of, of the, the law that has been enacted, C4, um, if you're interested in knowing more of those details. And as always, we, I encourage you, if there is something that is being set up here uh, by myself, by any one of the other hosts or any other of the speakers, Come and talk with us. Help us to understand what are the ways that we are missing the mark. Uh, this is a, a, a place of, of conversation where we can work through those kinds of things together. I've asked Graham to, to just uh, say a prayer for our nation, uh, for churches as they seek to respond to all of this. Um, and... Uh, Graham, would you just pray for us as a nation? Father, we look to you in the name of Jesus. You know our hearts. You know the concerns we carry. You know what you say. You know what the world is saying. You know what the enemy would want to say. And we just pray that you will have mercy upon us as a nation. In the West particularly, Mercy upon the Western nations who have turned from so much truth, so much light. And Lord, you know this uh, particular bill that's been passed. And we want to stand with you. We want to agree with what we've heard this morning. 
um, the statement put out by, by churches across this nation. We want to stand with, with the word of God and the truth of God. And yet, Lord, we want to be uh, open to you for your wisdom and for your love to flow through us. So we pray that many will be helped. Many will be touched by your power in miraculous ways as um, people come into our gatherings, as people uh, touch our lives, we can touch them with your love and your power. Oh, Father, we just humble ourselves before you, how needy we are as uh, people, how needy we are as Canadians, how needy we are as Canadian Christians, how needy we are uh, influenced by the power of sin. We need you to be our deliverer as we have been singing today. God, my healer. God, my deliverer. Oh, Lord, we just welcome you to move amongst us in ways that um, will be irrefutable. But this is God. God is doing something. This is not the work of man. This is the work of God. Lives have been changed. We just pray that as people come and fellowship with us, they'll be touched by the power of your spirit. Just your very presence with us will touch lives and transform lives. Oh, God, oh, God. And uh, those who may want to accuse uh, will not be able to point the finger at our lack of wisdom or our lack of love, but will recognize this is supernatural. This is God at work amongst us. So we pray for pastors and leaders across this country. Oh, God, oh, God. We pray for those who are struggling in the areas that have been mentioned. Oh, God, oh, God, that you will have mercy. Thank you that you still deliver today. You still heal today. You still transform today. And we're trusting you to do this through us as Christians in this nation. Have mercy upon Canada. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. Have mercy and grant wisdom from the leaders and the pastors across the nation that we will have great understanding how to walk before man, how to make proclamation, how to respond to accusations that will come to us. Oh, God, oh, God. That people will say, well, we may not agree with them, but they truly love us. They truly love people. And we may be known for our love. We may be known also for the power of God residing with us and working in us and through us. So we pray you'll just touch lives and churches across this land today and in the days that lie ahead. The doors will be open and people will know this is the place where you can go to receive help. This is a place where you can go to be loved. This is a place where you can meet God. And we just pray that you will cause people to have meetings with you, Lord, that are just... It's amazing, absolutely amazing and life-changing. Pray for Lauren and Denise and the leaders of this church that you would grant them wisdom as they move in this community, as they speak on behalf of this church and, uh, and your word. Oh God, help us to be the people you want us to be. Let us truly be light. Let us truly be salt. Oh God, oh God. And grant us a love for people, a love we've never had before, a dimension of love we've never experienced before. Oh God, oh God, oh God, work through us, Lord. Take us and use us. Work through us. Let your wisdom flow through us and power abide with us and abide upon us. Let it be, let it be, in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is appropriate at this time and place here in our nation that, that we are studying First Peter. Uh, because First Peter is written to the, the chosen exiles, the elected sojourners, those that have been called by God to, 
to be here even though their citizenship is in heaven. And how we can live out that citizenship in a world that sees things differently. Uh, we are continuing our series after our Advent break. Um, and we're going to be here in 1 Peter chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, let me encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at verses 8 uh, to 12. For those that are guests with us here this morning, we are uh, so glad that you are with us. Uh, we do have some Bibles at the back if, if you want to um, uh, use one of those for yourself here today, or if uh, you want to take one and take it home, you're welcome to, to make use of those in the back. And um, uh, we will work through this together. So let's read through Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, sorry, First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and to see good days, good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Let his lips from speaking deceit, let, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Finally, this is wrapping up a section that Peter has been uh, discussing how we live out the reality of being that chosen people, that royal priesthood, um, how we live out our relationship with Christ in a world that has different priorities that has turned their back on God and is going a different way. So it started uh, back in, in chapter 2 and verse 11 where he said, uh, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And he went on to then talk about submission to authority, to talk about those circumstances and situations where we find ourselves under the authority of someone who has different principles than we do. And how we live that out, how we submit to authority as uh, placed there by God, but in a way that still honors our, our faith and our commitment to following God first and foremost. So he goes through and then talks about uh, uh, family relationships, husbands and wives, talks about 
uh, slaves, servants, and, and, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And now we get here to where he's wrapping up the section. Finally, all of you, what are the things that, that we are to, to do? You'll notice again here as Peter is talking about our moral conduct, that it, that it has everything to do with relationships. It's all connected in how we relate to other people. It says, finally, have unity of mind. The Greek word that is being used here is a, a compound work, a compound word uh, that uh, that is homophreneos, which is homo the same, phrenes as mind, having the same mind. This is a call to the people of this community, of the church community, that that they would have that unity of spirit. It, it, it's reminiscent of Christ's high priest prayer that's recorded in John chapter 17, where of all of the things that he could pray for, of all of the things that he would pray for his followers as they go forward after he ascends to heaven. His prayer was that they would have unity. That they would be one, just as He and the Father were one. That there would be a, a, a same mind when it came to the mission and the focus, the importance, the things that, that were crucial. That there would be a unity in mind. Now, one of the things that we've talked a lot about here in this congregation over the years is when, the, when Scripture calls us to that unity, it does not mean uniformity. It doesn't mean that we all have the same priorities in all areas of our lives. And, and those are things that, that, uh, that Paul fleshes out in, in his many discussions about the body of Christ being made up of many different members. That, that the priorities that, that the, my foot have are very different from the priorities that my eye has in my body. The things that, that are important for my eye uh, sometimes can even seem opposed to the things that my foot needs. So, so even though there is diversity and there's difference within the body, that there are different priorities that, that different parts of the body have, there is a unity that brings all of that together under Christ who is the head. That He is our guide. He is the one that will direct. And there is times when there are when there is a, a need for, for working through some of those differences that there are, those different priorities. Sometimes the foot can kind of take over. And its priorities can, can, can be emphasized at the expense of other parts of the body. And so there needs to be some clarification. And so when there are those times when, when your priority, priorities differ from my priorities, then we have to engage in some conversation. And sometimes those, those discussions get difficult. But there is unity in our love for one another in our call to serve one another. 
And we work through those differences, that diversity that there exists within the body in order to live out that unity, that one mind that we have in Christ, that we love one another. That is an essential aspect of Jesus' promise that, that the world will know that we are His followers because of our love for one another. It is easy to love people who think the same as me. I get along great with those people. You can get a, a stadium full of thousands of people that all have the same passion for the same team. And when that team is doing well, they link arms and they're able to sing songs and, and, and have unity in, in purpose. That's easy to get along with people when you all think the same. What makes the love that Christ gives us here in this church, what makes that supernaturally sourced, which, which makes it an indicator that our love for one another comes from Christ, that even in the midst of our diversity, even in the midst of our differences, that we honor, that we respect, that we work together, that we deal with those things and don't allow those differences to become reason for us to divide. It's not easy. But that's part of how we help the world to see our good deeds and glorify our God on that day of visitation. He also tells us to have sympathy. Have sympathy one for another. Sympathy, again, a Greek word, a compound Greek word that, that means to suffer with. That, that we have sympathy, that we put ourselves in a place where we suffer along with each other. That none of us goes through difficult times on our own. That when one is mourning, the rest of us come around and weep and mourn along with them. That we, we don't just look to our own need, but instead we are looking to serve the needs of one another. Brotherly love. Again, all of these are compound words that get broken down. Philadelphios, brotherly love, a concern and a care for one another that, uh, that is an essential part of relationship within the, the church. Tender heart. This is actually the Greek word means good bowels, which is the bowels are for the Greeks or, or where there is emotion. And so when we are tender-hearted, when we have good bowels for each other, that means we have compassion towards one another. We care for one another, that, that we seek to serve one another. That we would have a humble mind. Some other translations translate this courteous. But it is that, that reminiscent of what Paul wrote in, in Philippians where he says that we should have the same mind as Christ, that, 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 that we seek not to meet our own needs, but rather to seek the needs of others. That we see others more important than ourselves. 
and we look to serve them. That's the kind of love that characterizes uh, the followers of Jesus Christ. This is true that, that we have that kind of uh, a mindset of, of having unity of mind, of having sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and humble minded. This is true even when others treat you poorly. Even when others speak badly about you. He goes on to say, verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Instead, bless. The Greek word being used there means good words. It's where we get our, 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 our word eulogy from. It's eulogontes, the word Greek word that's being used here. And that is speaking good words, that we would speak good words about those who do evil towards us. Those that would speak poorly, that would revile, that would mock, that would demean us. Whether that would be for things that we believe, if that would be things that, that, that we do in our relationship with Christ. We're not supposed to do, we're not supposed to repay that evil for evil, but instead that we are to bless. You'll notice, bless is not a passive term. This isn't calling us to just be silent and take it, but under our breath be. This is to be actively speaking good words about those people. That's hard to do. I don't have any problem. I, I, I've got thick skin and I can take a lot of criticism. But for me to actively go out of my way to serve somebody, to, to bless somebody, to, to do good things, to speak well of people who are mocking me, who are hurting me and hurting those that I love. That's difficult to do. But look what he says. For to this you were called. That is a theme that we have seen all through this letter from Peter. Is that as followers of Christ, we are called, just like He was, to suffer for others. Because it is through that serving others in spite of the suffering that we, that we experience, that we, that we endure. It's through that suffering that we bless other people. That's how we were blessed by Christ. It's because of His suffering that we now have life. If he hadn't gone through 
the torment, if he hadn't gone through the mocking, if he hadn't endured the torture, if he hadn't actually allowed himself to be crucified and to bleed and die for us, we would have nothing. But it is specifically because he suffered and died that we have been blessed and have life. And so that is what you are called to. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you can expect to suffer. And in that suffering, you have an opportunity to bless. Because of the way that you endure suffering, the way that you endure that that evil that would come towards you, whether it is physical or just words. Because you endure that, you have the opportunity of seeing somebody come to faith. Who knows how the Holy Spirit would work that kind of faithfulness, that kind of love in your life to speak truth and light into somebody else. For this, for to this, you were called that you may obtain a blessing. And what greater blessing could there be than seeing somebody rescued from a destiny of eternal destruction to see them walk into the kingdom of His glorious light? How much better could it be Peter then goes on to quote from Psalm 34 that um, Bob read for us earlier. Whoever desires to love life and to see good deeds, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer. Do you want to receive a blessing? Do you want to to love life? To see good good days? And seek peace. And again, he doesn't just leave it (laughs) as a passive exercise, right? Of, Of being at peace. But rather that he says, seek peace. Pursue it. Go after it. Be peacemakers. It reminds us of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. But they will be called sons of God. 
It isn't just sitting back and, and enduring. It is actively going after peace. Speaking words, good words, blessing words to those that would do evil to you, that would revile you, that would mock you. Do good, seek peace, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Are you feeling attacked? Are you feeling taken advantage of? Do you feel like others are, are demeaning you in some way? Peter's words are for you today. Look for ways that you can bless those that do evil to you. Look for ways that you can speak good words about those who mock you, who demean you. Look for ways that you can serve the needs of those people who are seeking to cut you down, to crush you. Because in that expression of love, people will see Jesus. And there will be those that will recognize Greater blessing could there be than seeing somebody that you love, somebody that you care about, being rescued from that dark destiny that holds, that is, is set before all of us until Christ comes and intervenes. This is what you have been called to as a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, what Peter asks of us here is too much. I can't do that. My own ability, my own strength, I know that there is deep within me that, that desire to be, to be vindicated. To be avenged. Lord, even to be accepted. But I have confidence that Your Holy Spirit can transform my heart so that, that in those situations I can live out these words that Peter has challenged us with this morning. Lord, it is my desire to bless. It is my desire to see You work through me to bless others. Because I know that Your promises are true. And that your transforming power is infinitely effective. I willingly 
submit myself to your Spirit's leading, to follow where you guide me, to direct my steps into that calling to which you have called us. I wanted to see you do your miraculous transforming work in the lives of others. We need your help. And so we look to you to guide our steps, to, to purpose our words, and to empower our actions so that more and more they reflect your perfection. We thank you. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.